0: Hey there, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that today is not a typical episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show. John and I are collaborating on a longer episode today, but don't worry, we'll be back to our normal 5-10 to minute short form show next week. That said, good morning and welcome to the May 5th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we are on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is Ryan Joy. I am joined by John DeCani, and we are diving into the darker side of things today. We are talking about one of the biggest uh, scandals, I guess, in wrestling history. We are talking about, of course,
1: the plane ride from hell. Good morning, sir. How are you today?
0: Very good. Very good. You know, I wanted to say before we get going on this that I am reading newsletters from the era as we talk about different topics like this. So I read the Wrestling Observer newsletter. I I pull up the PW Torch from the era. And I want to say that before we get into the plane ride from hell and all of the different crazy things that happened, Meltzer pretty much had an abbreviated version of all of the major stories that he reported at that time. So the only things that he really didn't have were the Ric Flair alleged assault and Brock Lesnar exposing himself to Terry. Other than that, he had pretty much all of the other content. And the reason I bring that up is that this episode more than any other of the dark side of the ring really got a lot of criticism, but not necessarily for accuracy of the topics. It was more about how people's different quotes were portrayed and whether or not they felt that they're they were represented the way that they had done in their longer form interviews. So, but the content um was pretty accurate.
1: Yeah. And I'm just, I'm glad that uh we know now that we're getting another season of Dark Side of the Ring and in fact I think it may have started in April. Um but uh, after watching this and a lot of the fallout that came from it, I remember pretty specifically this episode, I got the feeling that Dark Side of the Ring was over. Like, you know, Me too. A, a lot of the way, you know, the way the guys were like, well, that's not really what I said, or that was taken out of context or this, that, and the other. You got the feeling that no one was going to bother sitting down with these guys again, because this episode caused so much crap.
0: I know that that is the tr- is true, that certain people are, have rejected participation in some of these things. Like I know Mike Johnson from PW Insider was asked to participate and he kind of turned it down said he wouldn't do it. Uh, Jim Ross has said he would never do another one just based on the way his, the words were. I mean, obviously those were, all the words were spoken. Yeah. But whether they were edited or twisted in such a way that, you know, they, they didn't feel was an accurate representation, um, you know, is what it is.
1: That's um, a shame because you know Jim Ross is such a fountain of information. And I didn't feel like he came like he doesn't come off bad necessarily in this episode. He just comes off as the guy that like is like, oh, I'm just tired of talking about it because it, it it almost comes off as if it's his fault. Yeah. Because he didn't, you know, kind of you know put a put a lasso around it and you know calm it down when he could have early on. But I don't think I think Jim Ross was the one who was putting the most blame on himself and feeling the most disgust for. I don't feel like anybody else was beating him up over it. But he definitely he comes off, you know. I I think that you know one of the last quotes he says, you know, if I never talk about the goddamn plane ride from hell again, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like he's so done talking about it. But I don't think he necessarily came off bad in this episode. It was just, you know, it was. It was young men behaving badly. I don't think Jim, you know, what was Jim Ross going to do? You know, yeah. slap Brock Lesnar in the face and tell him, sit down? Come on.
0: For accuracy's sake, and, and, and because Jim has spoken about this, I do want to make sure we get the quote exactly right, John. He said, if I never talk about the fucking plane ride from hell for the rest of my life, I would be very happy. <laughs> I mean, you See, had Jim, most what? of the words there, but I wanted to make sure that we got <laughs>
1: it. Yeah. I gave Jr. too much credit. I I don't know if I've ever heard that word come out of his mouth, but that that gives it a little extra oomph. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, he was vice president of talent, and I think that's where people kind of might assign some – it's not really blame. You know, Jim Ross cannot be blamed for what happened on this plane. You know, he was in charge of talent. He had to deal out repercussions, but – you know, forget it. Like I, I'm not putting, uh, you know, Ric Flair's advances or Scott Hall's advances or gold dust on the PA, you know, none of that can I really put on Jim Ross. Now maybe there was a culture that was, you know, in wrestling at the time and maybe Jim Ross didn't do his part to kind of, um, push it away or, you know, change it, but whatever. I mean, you cannot, Put all that on his at his feet, so certainly not. Um, let's kind of let's kind of get into it here because there there is a couple of corrections that I that I think we should talk about, um, and we'll go as we kind of get through them. But this all happens on May fifth, two thousand two. So WCW and ECW are gone. This is the only place to work. They talk about that in sort of the setup in the Dark Side of the Ring episode. Uh, It's the insurrection pay-per-view that was in London, was at the end of a European tour. Now, they they didn't really say it directly in this, but they had chartered this plane to Europe, and they had chartered this plane around the European tour. And this was coming home, the events. So it was the day after the insurrection pay-per-view. They were coming home. The idea was that WWE was trying to be friendly to the talent because planes are not built for monsters like the undertaker. So this was the idea was this, there's going to be a talent friendly thing to do. And of course, you know, and generally it, it was, but of course they had open bar and stuff like that. And, and things got out of hand Yeah. on yeah. this show. They had comments from Jim Ross or they had interviews from Jim Ross, Mike Kyoto. Tommy Dreamer, Justin Credible, RVD, Terry Runnels, and Heidi Doyle was the flight attendant on the plane ride from hell. So that's who we have to talk to.
1: Yes, and uh, Heidi Doyle worked for the company uh, Sportsjet out of Arizona, and uh, she goes into, uh, makes a point of saying that, uh, just to give you an idea of how pimped out this plane was, your normal 757, which is a, you know, big old Airbus, Uh, It would be about 190 seats. This uh, particular plane was situated so that it only had like 50 leather seats. It had couches. It had lounges. It was meant for a professional basketball or hockey team, or in this case, the professional wrestlers to take a not terribly large group of people in full luxury. Yes.
0: Yeah. Now. They had taken this plane before. They even took it from the States to Europe. The difference on this day is that the tour was over. So it was kind of a celebratory thing. They had a good show the night before. Morale was high and open bar. But they were stuck on the tarmac for seven hours because of a weather delay. And they drank through one liquor cart. They drank through a second liquor cart and it's not clear whether they drank the third liquor cart or, but we know a third liquor cart was definitely ordered. Uh, And Heidi Doyle says she thinks they might have gotten through that one too. So before takeoff.
1: Right. And these were not your, your typical airplane mini bottles that you can, you know, hold five of them in between your fingers and hold them all in your hand. These were full size as if you walked up to a bar This was, uh, you know, full-size bottles of liquor to be, you know, generously poured into adult drinks.
0: And generally speaking, on these type of affairs, Heidi Doyle explained that they would still do the serving. But things kind of got out of hand on this one, and their services as servers were no longer required or requested. So the guys were pouring their own drinks and, and Mike Kyoto and Justin incredible went through a laundry list of substances and drugs that they were also using at the time yes so RVD would tell some stories about sort of the customs that were going on at that time and they they would h-bomb so they would use a, dr- a drug did I don't know if you wrote it down I can't halcyon. remember what it was called Halcyon. so they would use halcyon and they would toss it in a drink and you know they would they call that H-bombing, and it basically would render the person sleepy or whatever they pass out. They would do it to I don't want to paint, I don't want to paint a broad stroke, but it was done to local girls so the boys could have their way with them. This is a quote from RVD, and he said it was kind of normal. No names assigned to any of that, you know, accusation. Sure. Don't even know if it was any of the guys on this plane, but mm-hmm. it was something that was done. And in whatever circles RVD was running in, he had seen it happen at somewhat of a normal frequency. So all I have to say, Michael Hayes got an H-bomb. So the first incident was Hayes. Hayes gets drugged to some, to some degree he gets going. He's uh, active, I guess. Um, he reopens a wound on JBL's head from the pay per view, so he hauls off and smashes him. JBL then swings at Hayes, knocks him clear out. X Pac cuts off Michael Hayes's ponytail, and once they landed, that's when Michael Hayes found out, and he, of course, he was pissed off, and he was going all over the place. Uh, the ponytail got taped to the locker room the next day. This this was a joke, but not one that Michael was very happy about. And also Michael Hayes was an agent. So it was kind of his job to keep Also, you know, all, like, like we talked about with Jim Ross is he was, should have been setting more of an example. And instead he was part of the problem here.
1: Yeah. And I, what in God's name would possess, like, I understand he was drugged and he was, you know, it seemed like he passed out and he woke up and he was a little goofy, but what in God's name would make you. And, I mean, the stories you hear about Bradshaw kind of being a bully behind the scenes. His character certainly was not one to be messed with. What would make you want to go after him in any for any reason? Well, you know, like, and even if he was just kind of throwing worked punches and you just kind of like lightly landing him on the eyebrow or wherever the cut was, just to try and reopen the cut. Even you know, even if he was working like it was a match, why the hell would you do this to Bradshaw of all people?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, we start with that story because it's like the tamest one, right? (laughs) Um, Nobody let go on account of that story. I'm sure people got talked to or whatever, but you know, it's the, it's the tame one. Now, Mr. Perfect is on this plane and he has the reputation for, you know, the ultimate prankster. And so the, the prank he's doing is basically he's, he's putting a shaving cream on people's head and then smacking it. And he does this to Brock Lesnar and, from what I'm gathering from other sources, not not on this uh, that were not described on this show, is that Brock was young. He was coming into the business, and him and Kurt had known each other from way before even Brock was in wrestling. You know, right. they, they knew each other. So there, I, I don't know how friendly this was. You know, whether they are play fighting or whatever. But um, so anyway. Somebody got in Brock's ear and kind of said, well, if you know if you don't stand up for him now, stand up to him now, you're going to have a bad way of things. You know, he's to, people are going to walk all over you. So I guess Brock took that in stride and they had a big brawl on this thing and they would go up against one side of the fuselage and back to the other. And a big noise ha- occurred when they hit up against the emergency exit door. And the reality is, it, it certainly, it would take, it, they could not have blown that door open. That's not something that really could have happened. But, but the fear was there because also you don't typically have somebody the size of Brock Lesnar and Mr. Perfect crashing into it. So uh, eventually they got calmed down, but, um, you know, people were afraid they might damage the airplane and that would, you know, who wants to make an emergency landing over water?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's so much so that the, the this is the the one instance uh, where they mentioned that the pilot has to come out and kind of yell at them, like, knock it off before you take us out of the sky, you idiots.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And,
1: you know, it's not related to the
0: plane ride from hell, but Terry Reynolds explains that the previous day at the pay-per-view in the locker room, Brock Lesnar exposed himself to her, and Terry... Uh, Dustin told Terry not to sell it, and this and and I think the reason they're bringing this up is they're trying to demonstrate that that was a culture at the time of not selling it, not and, and when you look at the entire message of this in, this show, it is about speaking out about, about what happened to you, sure. and as we get into what happened with uh, Heidi Doyle she's going to talk about how you know she's speaking out now because if anything you know to hide the truth um she says is you know kind of they ended up having a court case and and they settled out of court but she was kind of dismayed by the fact that the truth got hidden there so she's this whole thing about not selling it she's kind of the the messaging of the episode is really you should sell it and you should get the truth out there so that other people aren't harmed. So I think that's why we're getting this whole undertone of not sell it on this
1: show. Yeah. And I, if I remember correctly, when this aired initially, it was kind of at the, the tail end of the whole me too movement and whatnot. And it was, you know, people who had been victimized and maybe whether it was their, their own internal voice or other people were kind of, making sure that they didn't say anything. Now this was a time to say, Hey, let's get it all out in the open. Here's how I feel. You know, uh, things happen that should not have happened and nobody was talking about it. Well, God damn it. Let's talk about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now the other thing that involved Terry would have been Dustin Rhodes, getting on the PA and singing to him. Now they, they were recently divorced and Dustin's sad or whatever. Um, and so he's, he's singing and Paul Heyman looks to Terry and says, Don't sell it. This is Terry recounting this. Um Jim Ross said if Dustin could sing, it might not have been so bad, but he couldn't carry a tune in the bucket. And uh <laughs> JR apparently stopped this one. He he went back and talked to Dustin and, and told him to stop. So um, but this was bad. Again, Heidi Doyle telling the story, like you know, she he had the microphone, the PA system, and he really shouldn't have, and he wouldn't give it back. And you know, that was that was an issue. So Kurt Henning gets fired for what he did with Brock Lesnar, Dustin Rhodes right up to the line. He gets ends up getting fined, not fired, but um, pretty, pretty significant uh, crime there, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, Heidi would mention that uh, as we get to the worst story involving her, Dustin I guess at that point still had the microphone and he kind of broke things up with the microphone so she kind of gave him a pass because yes. it, it actually worked in her favor a little bit later. Okay,
0: so the Rick Flair stuff on this episode what you were just alluding to and right. um you know like I mentioned before this story was not um that the assault part of this story was not listed in the observer but here's what uh, Dave Meltzer wrote in the May 20th uh, edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Flair was causing the Flair scene, which is not unusual as he is a partier and it isn't above him to get almost naked on a non-commercial flight, but he doesn't cause danger to anyone, just causes the scene and gets attention. He's been doing it for years. When he was told by Ross to stop, he did. Okay. So the stuff Heidi Doyle talks about is not in the newsletter but what heidi doyle says is that and actually a lot of the wrestlers confirm as much to say that he did put on the robe he had nothing underneath it he was helicoptering his penis around through the thing but then heidi doyle explains that flair kind of cornered her in the galley right in a sort of a, a tight environment and wanted him her to touch him and went so far as to make her touch him. Now RVD does say that he remembers her crowding him. Flair denies any of this happened. And really is the stuff that Tommy Dreamer said on this that pretty much got him canceled in wrestling
1: yeah. for a period of
0: time. Because Dreamer came to Flair's defense in almost like a way as to say, you know, anybody that accuses Flair of this is wrong you know this was a joke blah 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 he kind of now i don't know how much of the editing impacted what was said by what was aired from dreamer but it did not look good coming out of it and dreamer was uh taken off tv on impact because of this episode
1: yeah exactly this this uh, once again as as we started out by saying this this episode made you feel like maybe the dark side of the ring was going to be over because you know it turned Dreamer into a victim, bl- a shamer. Uh, Ric Flair into, you know, a, a, a pervert. And, you know A victimizer, exactly. Turned RVD into a rat. It just it made, you know, no one really came out of this looking good. And uh, it's just, you know, it's a shame what happened. And then it's a shame that 20 years later, even the retelling of it was still getting people in trouble because of their, you know, yeah. their take on it or whatnot.
0: Yeah um okay just to finish up on the stories from this thing scott hall is the last one um you know jim ross talks about scott hall says they weren't doing any favors by putting him back on the road (laughs) apparently what happened here again involves heidi doyle and and hall basically pulled her down on top of him um or next to him and he ripped her shirt in the process and he licked her face um now Scott Hall says he thinks he got H-bombed because he has no recollection of any of this happening. Um and afterwards she didn't serve uh she didn't serve anyone after that. She just went back to the galley and stayed there but um Scott Hall they couldn't even get him to wake up when the plane landed. Justin Credible had to basically put him in a wheelchair and wheel him through customs and explain that he had some sort of condition or whatever.
1: But yeah, apparently Scott was an absolute mess. And, and he, I mean, it, it, obviously he wasn't questioned for this episode because he unfortunately has since passed. But uh, in an old interview where I guess he was talking about this, they play a little, you know, voiceover clip. And uh, Scott says, like, yeah, I've been, you know, drinking and doing pills for years. I, you know, he thinks he got H-bombed because he could, you know, whatever he put in his body that he knew of that day, he knew he could handle and meanwhile the plane ride is a complete uh black spot for yeah. him he has no idea what happened he doesn't remember any of it and and uh you know Justin credible says you know that they can't wake him up they kind of like just just pour him into a uh a wheelchair to get him off the off the plane and you know he's just he's an abs- he's an absolute mess beyond what clear you know everyone knew he was having his issues but this was really a problem. They, they they were they were worried for him, you know, when they couldn't wake him up, they were worried at one point that, oh my God, you know, is he dead at one point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh j- just back up real quick to be clear on the Ric Flair thing. Yeah. Um, Heidi Doyle did say that Gold Dust is the one who actually got Flair to leave. So you were alluding to it before. That is why yeah. she wasn't quite so angry about the pa system thing because gold dust kind of came to her rescue a bit in that very uncomfortable situation and he was the only one who did it exactly it's weird uh gold dust uh, in particular you know his demons are kind of chronicled here but he also comes out you know he's not like a hero at the end of this but he's he's a sympathize you it's a figure that you sympathize with Whereas the some, most of the rest of the story, you don't sympathize with anybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least he when he he may not have realized what a disaster he was singing over the loudspeaker, uh, you know, uh, spitting dip into the ba- seat back uh, pocket. And is that and the other thing. But, you know, he's upset over his divorce. So he's, he's a sad guy. But then when he sees Ric Flair doing what Ric Flair's doing, he at least with the microphone in his hand tells him like, hey, Rick, back off. So yeah, it, yeah, he's okay. at least got some sense of uh, normalcy to him.
0: Yeah, when the plane finally lands, there's vomit and blood and syringes everywhere. Uh, Heidi Doyle refuses to clean up the plane, even though she's kind of told that she that's what she's supposed to do. The FBI is waiting on the wrestlers as they as, you know they come off or whatever. Um, the, the are, There are impacts from this episode that we've kind of alluded to. There are impacts from this flight. On the talent, um, so Mike Kyota says he doesn't know how all this happened with Vince McMahon on the plane. Vince McMahon wasn't on the plane, and that's how it happened. That's the truth.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Now I remember when this episode came out. I remember reading an article, and I cu- I couldn't find it again. Where somebody said, "Oh, you know, Vince and Linda were taking a meeting, and such and such, and blah blah blah," but. Terry says she was, you know, like the, the like the whole plane was technically first class and big, you know, comfy leather seats, but there was a separation, there was a forward area and a everybody else area. Terry says she was in the forward area with JR Vince and Linda. Yeah. And yet there are other stories saying Vince wasn't even on the plane.
0: And, you know, it may come down to the fact that there was the tour. And Vince was on some of those in-between planes, but he wasn't on this plane, and he was yeah. not on this plane. Otherwise, this stuff would not have happened. And unfortunately, I don't know what happened with between Terry and Brock Lesnar, but Brock Lesnar is not impacted by this episode whatsoever. Yeah. And perhaps it's because Terry misspoke about who was on the plane that maybe it called into question some of her credibility in this. But um, in any case vince and linda weren't on the plane and uh and that's probably why so much of this happened but um kurt Henning was fired jim ross said he was kind of troubled by having to do that but people thought he would rebound and kurt would come back and unfortunately he died about a year later so that didn't happen scott hall was also fired he'd only been with the company for two months and 25 days so it was that big NWO return, and before long, he's gone.
1: Although they did get one last, yeah, he was that much of a mess on the plane on the 5th. He works the main event on Raw on the 6th when they get back home before being fired.
0: Yes. Yeah. He's fired right after, as yeah. I understand. He comes comes to back and gets fired. <laughs> uh, Dustin Rhodes is fined. They ask Jim Ross why Rick Flair didn't have any repercussions from this. And Ross says that Flair is kind of a made man. So this is kind of part of the thing, too. paints Ross in kind of a bad light because Flair didn't get punished in any way. But, you know, it it speaks to something that was happening, not necessarily when this episode aired, but the Harvey Weinstein stuff was recent memory. And when you talk about somebody who's in like this power position who does horrible things and doesn't get punished for it, it really makes you think of that. So, sure. of Harvey Weinstein. So, I think this is why, you know, Ross was getting in some hot water out of this, or, you know, he didn't really get in hot water. It's just a matter of people perceived him in a certain way.
1: Yeah. It was kind of a black eye for he, him, but. Uh... You know, yeah. it, it didn't really it didn't affect his career at this point in any way
0: yeah yeah um Heidi Doyle was told to respect the privacy of her clients um Doyle seemed to indicate that there were some family problems that occurred because of this uh the incidents that happened on the plane ride ride from hell mm-hmm. she and another flight attendant filed a lawsuit they were given a settlement and she but she said that truth, is better than money essentially and uh and this is where tommy dreamer said you know he responds in somewhat of a cold manner and uh, i think that's where he gets in trouble he says that it was a joke the whole thing with flair and he continued to defend flair and of course it's not it was not a round table so tommy dreamer didn't hear what heidi doyle was saying or how she was saying or or in the or anything so when he's when when they air the footage of him he just looks like so super cold, and right. like you said, a victim, uh, a shamer, and he doesn't come off good at all, and you know, so that's kind of the, you know, one of the impacts of this episode. You know, there's this this is it's it's kind of hard to separate almost the impacts from the event, which include find Dustin Rhodes, Kurt Hennings fired, um, Scott Hall's fired. And then the impacts from the episode, which are, you know, Tommy Dreamer gets canceled, Ric Flair gets taken off of the WWE intro for quite a while, um, and stuff like that. So, um, and and Dark Side of the Ring kind of gets a black eye too, because a lot of, we've been talking about the editing and stuff, and people not being really happy with it, and and all that. And interestingly though, Brock Lesnar's not impacted it at all. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think they try to turn things around at the end and sort of do kind of present this in a way where because of the plane ride from hell, it is sort of a lesson that carries into wrestling today. They have a clip of Jim Ross explaining that younger talent saw the choices made by some of the talent that was here and You know, he says that the younger talent sees these people made millions of dollars and don't have two quarters to rub together at the end. He sees that the business is different and that these people have learned from that. And as Jim Ross is talking about how the business has changed and people are no longer like this and a lot of those problems and demons that were so prevalent back in the day don't exist in the business today. They show images of John Cena and, you know, some of the the talent that would go on to have a completely different reputation from the this era of wrestler so um and then heidi doyle says that if one person is able to speak about what happened to them she would have this conversation 25 times the truth is what makes us better she says now interestingly just kind of kind of putting all this all together now you have heidi doyle who's walking through her uh nda here right she was she was had given hush money and says that if one person can speak up about what happened to them, she would have this conversation 25 times. And then, you know, less than two years later, you have Vince McMahon basically out of power in WWE because of people walking through people. Didn't break their uh, NDAs, but the existence of those NDAs were found out. And, you know, it led to a whole series of events that included Vince McMahon actually retiring and he came back and stuff and, and whatnot. But maybe by the time this episode airs, WWF will be have will, or WWE will have been sold. But um, I think that's where this episode is trying to provide a lesson or provide some hope for the future in the sense that it's like, you know, the talent has changed and evolved and learned from these things. Plus, Please speak out about what happens to you, so that it doesn't happen to other people.
1: Absolutely, and you know, when someone does, you know, bad actors can be taken to task, all the way up to the boss, as we saw with Vince last summer. So
0: that's right. That's right. Okay. With that said, that is that's pretty much the uh, the story of the plane ride from hell, uh, as John and I have kind of put our put our sense on it, uh, or our spin on on the story. So anything else about the events of that plane ride that you want to talk about or so- something I might have missed or skipped over? No,
1: just I just to to wrap it up that coincident I, I don't know if it's technically ironically, but coincidentally that the next day the next day after that raw is the rebranding that get the F out. WWF becomes WWE's kind of closing the book on a you know, maybe, maybe an extra closing of the book on an ugly chapter and moving forward differently.
0: Yeah. Well said, well said, as they talk about, as Jim Ross made that comment about how the new, the younger talent has learned and they show the early pictures of John Cena and kind of getting the nod from the undertaker and that kind of thing. Also WWE is becoming a whole new company. With a new name and, and a new image. Begins. Okay. So really exiting the attitude era. Yeah. At the same time. Even though the slogan was get the F out. <laughs> John, the only thing left for us to do is for us to get the F out. So let's do that. The Daily Wrestling News Show is a Minutes to Bell Time production.
1: Find out more at minutes to belltime.com.
0: Today's episode was recorded by Ryan Joy and John DeConte. If you would like to learn more about the plane ride from hell, we use the Dark Side of the Ring Season 3, Episode 8, and various issues of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter for our facts and discussion.
1: Subscribe to the Daily Wrestling News Show on your podcast player of choice and join us in the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group.
0: We'll see you Monday as John and I will be back to talk about Monday Night Raw from May 8th, 1995. See you then. See you.